0: Welcome to you a yet there. another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me today is Nick in his absolutely terrible November mustache. You know, army regs make it look like a pedophile. All mustaches look like a pedophile mustache. Mm. The I all right. So Joshua Chamberlain's mustache in the Gettysburg movie, baller. Yes. Uh, can't pull that off here. <laughs> uh I think that the the army recruiting uh system would be much better if they're like grow whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. It would be fucking awesome. Uh I mean, but there's so many people who can't grow mustaches or beards that just walk around and look like somebody glued like pubes to yeah. their face. Um Very true. Yeah. Cuz I see that every time I go anywhere and people's like, "Yeah, I'm trying to grow a beard." It's like it's 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 only on your neck <laughs> I, hate, I don't like the people that just shave the mustache and leave the beard it looks weird it's terrible yeah uh, mustaches should never be alone but also beards need company yeah unless all right so mustaches that grow up into your sideburns Mm. like what are it. those called uh, I know it's a thing uh, I don't know a civil war helmet <laughs> Uh, so we are on part three and the final part of the Philippine American war. Now, you can do whatever you want to do, but I recommend going back and listening to the first. And second oh, yeah. Parts. The last one was dope. I will start this episode with a quote from Mark Darowitz, a writer and researcher from UNC Chapel Hill. And I'm not quoting him because this college once paid for me to get blackout drunk. What up, y'all? Uh, <laughs> but because it is it is. It's fitting for this episode. Now, as I as I say this quote, just think of what it could be compared to, quote, a distant country, mostly unknown to Americans. The United States is at war. The military takes the capital city and captures the foreign leader. The president announces mission accomplished. Rebels raid American strongholds and supply lines. The indigenous Muslim population, hardly loyal to the fallen leader, resents American occupation. Despite inferior firepower, the insurgents do not surrender. A guerrilla war sets in. Meanwhile, anti-imperialists chastise the American press for keeping quiet on the war's immorality. They accuse the government of stealing natural resources. Soldiers torture captives. Locals want Americans out. Terrorism grips the region. And the world watches on as America is in the hot seat. Does that sound familiar? What What war? (laughs) (laughs) Which one? So when we left you last week... The main Filipino insurgency against American imperial domination was brought to an end uh, as Emilio Aguinaldo finally threw in the towel, mostly because he was captured. But that did not mean the people of the Philippines island were done fighting. This brings us to the fiercely independent island of Mindanao. Ooh, There is probably a very good reason why America would eventually have such a hard time attempting to pacify the second largest island in the entire chain. Because so had everybody else. Consider Mindanao something of the Afghanistan of the Philippines. Oh, and yeah, that continues kind of today. Uh, the people of the island had, even for the Philippines, a much different culture and attitude towards outsiders than other people. They long ago converted to Islam; the oldest mosque being built in the 14th century. Though wow. there, there was some uh, native, like animist type religion uh, floating around in some of the outliers, but they aren't really what we're going to talk about today, right? They had violently rejected Spanish rule. And they didn't want anything to do with uh, Emilio's Philippine Republic either. They clearly just wanted to be left the fuck alone and be allowed to do their own thing. Rightfully so. For instance, the Spanish kind of just gave up on trying to bring the island to heel. Nice. I would go with that. Not that surprising. Uh, Instead, they kind of just built a couple outlying forts and just stayed in them. (laughs) Don't attack us. Yeah, they they would lead like punitive expeditions out uh, whenever uh, one of the sultans would get Kind of uppity and not listen to them, mm. but uh, they didn't have a lot of success. Um, instead, they they decided to uh, just kind of get treaties with all the 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 largest rulers of the area, which happened to work for them. Oh, that's good. Mostly by work for them it meant like they weren't killing Spaniards <laughs> that in, in large numbers. Oh, in large numbers, yeah, because there so was two, there was definitely so here and there. Well, there were still outlying insurgencies like uh, the 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 Sulu Sultanate, which is like the main the main one we're going to talk about, was uh, sign a treaty with the Spanish. But like, there was a lot of other people like, no, fuck those guys. So and like the Sulus didn't control all of Mindanao, so right. they're like the Sulus like, yeah, we only can do so much, yeah. y'all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it should come as a surprise to absolutely nobody that the people of the island, who I will collectively refer to as the Moros throughout this, because that is kind of what they're known as. The Moros. So it is based on the Spanish. So in history, uh, the Iberian Peninsula, which we now know as Spain, uh, was invaded by the Moors, which were Muslim invaders from Africa. Uh, so they, somehow that name kind of got used on the Philippines, too, I, it, just because they're Muslim. Right. It just means the Moors. Um, There's more of them. <laughs> s'mores of them yes it d- d- doesn't mean that um now they were not going to entertain any of this american bullshit when they showed up either uh and some moro groups will contend that that is why they still fight today though a lot of that has more to do with what they now see as philippine imperialism on Mindanao. though some of it is just straight up islamic terror uh like it, it, there, there's layers here. There's layers. It sounds like it. History is not black and white <laughs> and either is modern day insurgency. It's not. Which is why nobody ever wins it. There's no chance. Yeah. Uh, now American ignorance to the people they wanted to rule is nothing new. The American government had learned from the Spanish that the Moro people were simply not to be fucked with. So they decided to head this whole thing off by going to, of all people, the Ottoman Empire, which remember still existed wow. because it's not World War One yet. Uh, John Hay, the Secretary of State, went to Sultan Abdul Hamid II and uh, asked that he write the Sulu Sultanate, which controlled a large portion of Mindanao, to submit to American rule in the form of trans- uh, just kind of transferring the agreement they had with the Spanish over to the Americans. Like, look, all you gotta do is change flags. Nobody gives a shit, right? Yeah. Cool? We good? Alright. He also came up with the word "hey." Now we use it today. Uh, <laughs> the Sulus simply shrugged and said, yeah, whatever. They're just another group of white people. <laughs> Uh, this sounds like a really nice, neat way to end this conflict, right? And that's it. That's the end of the really? episode. Uh, of course it fucking didn't. God damn it. <laughs> uh, so before we go into just how wrong all of this was, we have to go into the brainchild uh, of this whole idea, which is an idiot that everybody should remember from episode one. Elwell Steven Otis. God damn it. Yes. <laughs> Who turns out is not good at this stuff. Uh, Going into this endeavor, Otis thought three things, all of which were profoundly untrue. The first was the Sulu Sultanate controlled all of Mindanao, which it certainly did not. Second was Otis meant to transfer the treaty that the Sulu had with the Spanish, which granted them the status of sovereign but unequal state to the Americans. So consider his limited autonomy. I don't understand how he tried doing that. Well, he wanted he didn't understand the status that they had with the Spanish is what it comes down to. Mm. He's like, well, whatever. They're just, uh, subjects. Like that's all it is. The Spanish are in charge and that's all it is. But there was like, he didn't understand there's nuances to this shit. Like the way the Spanish got what effect is collaboration from the Sulu's is like, look, just run your shit and listen to us from time to time. (laughs) Like what it came down to is like, they could rule themselves. If they recognize the Spanish throne like mm. they, they had they weren't equal to the Spanish because no, no, no. They're brown people. They can't do that. Nope. Uh, but they're like, just we won't fuck with each other. Kind of. OK. Um, so the third one was what, what I kind of explained is Otis had no idea the treaty that he meant to transfer did not give Americans complete control. So he didn't understand. Anything. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't understand the Sulu status within the Spanish Empire which you think he would have if he just fucking asked the Spanish. Oh, no, you not Which don't, he no. did not. Fuck. He Why could would have, you do that? He could have asked the Ottomans. They probably knew. i
1: <laughs> he like to think
0: that he doesn't understand a lot of stuff. No, he's just a fucking dumbass. Yeah. So babies come in by bird, right? This is all stork related. So when he found all this out, he thought on his feet, the only way that someone like him could do. He simply made his own goddamn treaty and would get rid of all this special treatment shit. They bribed the Sultan with a ton of cash in order to get him to sign it, and when that didn't work, he sailed the USS Charleston right up to their harbor to scare the shit out of them, because they had never seen a modern warship before. So they're like, yeah, fuck it, we'll sign it. (laughs) Just don't blow us up. This became known as the Kiram bates Treaty, and it was a complete and total farce, and was admitted to be so by the man put in charge of enforcing it, General Bates uh he, because he said he had no intention of ratifying it and it was just a stalling tactic to be put in place to the rest of the insurgents meaning emilia emilia boys right. could be dealt with at which point american troops could be shifted onto Mindanao and deal with them Right, which is exactly the same thing they did to emilia alginato <laughs> and, and in that way it largely worked um, the Americans fought Emilio and his boys, and the South went largely ignored and left to their own devices because they didn't want to fight a two-front war. Right. That was until it didn't. American troops invaded the island and routinely changed the treaty on the fly whenever they wanted to. They used the pretense that the Sioux, Sultanate, the, the people that they had signed the agreement with, was not doing enough to control the spread of anti-imperialist violence, which how could they? They didn't have an army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you can assume, the Moro people eventually just said, fuck it, it's time to go to war again. <laughs> yeah. So this is from uh, Patricio Albany's book, State and Society in the Philippines. Quote, they did not want to pay the invader's tax or be subject to his laws. They did not know or believe that the Americans would respect their religion. They wanted to be, they wanted to be left alone and keep their way of life. They'd been, if they had been left alone, they would remained in grudging, perhaps sullen and suspicious peace. So probably good that the moro uh thought of those things because yeah they wouldn't have been respected no uh i mean look at the rest of the philippines um the main reason why catholicism had such a grip is because that that's what just invaders generally do occupiers at least back then would attempt to win over a people and their culture by changing their religion as a form of civilizing them which i think i talked about before right so, so it's I'm going like when it. the mormons come to my house yeah and they attack yeah that's why i just asked them to mow the lawn <laughs> and they do <laughs> what yeah yeah if you ask them for favors they'll do it pay my bills yeah uh, pet my dog now um, I stopped doing that when I found out that these are like brainwashed children who work for free and then I realized it was kind of slavery <laughs> so I was like nope not doing that I just don't answer the door okay uh, so since they had fought the insurgents in the North, the Americans had learned some pretty hard lessons in how to break the will of the people of the South. And I think you know what that means. It means search and destroy missions, torturing captives, whenever, whether they be men, women, or children, and throwing everyone they get their hands on into concentration camps. You know, we just can't leave people alone. You know? yeah, yeah. Uh, if only people could be easily controlled and concentrated into, I don't know, um, camps... Uh, this could definitely win a war, not make us bad guys. <laughs> summer All camps of free. Care, yeah. Summer camps of liberty and freedom. What's said Emilio? Work will set you free. Perfect. <laughs> Put that on the gate. Uh, now, this, as you can imagine, this eventually um, definitely did not make friends with the Moro community. No, I imagine and not. The whole island went to war. Um, now, if you remember from the first two episodes, Philippine insurgents did not have the easiest time getting their hands on guns um sweet machetes though especially not ammo. Uh and the Moro had the same problem though amplified by like times 10. The main reason why the the other islands had at least some weapons is the Americans helped, but they had captured a lot from the Spanish, also some of them had been trained by the Spanish. As the Spanish never tried to fuck around in Mindanao, a flood of guns never happened there. Right. So it wasn't really much of shit. Um so very few modern firearms trickle down to the Moro. In the very beginning of the insurgency, like, they did have some repeating weapons, but most of them were muskets. Oh, God. <laughs> but that did not mean that they wanted to use guns. Enter the Euromantatos, the, probably the most badass motherfuckers we've ever covered. The who? The Euromantatos. I am probably pronouncing that wrong, but I'm using a soft J, which is about as good as I can get. Mm. So only the bravest Moro candidates would be allowed into their ranks. Because they were considered religious warriors, the young men had to be selected by the local imams and confirmed by the sultan. After that, they would enter what became known as the Path to Paradise. So the path began with taking an oath on the Quran. After that, they took a ritual bath and were shaved completely bald. Really? (laughs) Like, all their body hair was shaved off. What's the ritual bath? Uh, I'm assuming with Axe uh, body, or er, like, <laughs> shower gel, <laughs> we must bathe you in, in gun scent because we don't have any. Uh. What, what what scent is this? Wintergreen Swords. Ooh, okay. And then they got their eyebrows done. Mm, yeah. Because, I mean, just because you're going to go on a suicide mission doesn't mean you can't look fly as fuck, right? When I was in right, middle school, I right, used right, to mainland. use uh, Cold Steel Axe body spray. Is it actually a scent? Yeah. I know it shouldn't surprise me because they, they have like the weirdest they got Africa Cold Steel. <laughs> they, uh, a scent called Africa? Yeah. Swear to God. They also had a chocolate one too. You remember uh, that? No. No? <laughs> God. I remember that's what high school locker rooms okay. used to smell like. Guys body wash and like body spray scent names are fucking hilarious. Like women have like Swagger. A la- lavender, Paradise, Daffodil. Men is like guns. Swagger. Knockout. Yeah. Hand grenade. <laughs> Dick energy. <laughs> <laughs> Dick cheese away. Uh, it reminds me of like the only good family guy bit that I they think they've ever done where the guy sprays himself with axe and you know, remember the old axe commercials where women throw themselves at you, but it was yeah. axe for sick cats Ugh. and it was just cat, like half dead cats crawling towards him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember the commercial where He's you had like, to make oh, axe no- on your body yeah. when you yeah. used it. Yeah. Uh, such so a bad smell then okay. the Euromentados uh, would place thick restricting bands on all of their arms legs and torso and genitals do Band do uh, it's like really thick metal bands and like so I think some of them were rope but yeah there's effectively tourniquets Oh, also some were on their dick ugh <laughs> so there was a religious symbolism behind this but also it was practical it restricted blood flow so like if you got shot you wouldn't bleed out immediately. You could just keep on trucking. I imagine it'd be hard walking, too. Your mobility sucks at that point. <laughs> it's, like, it's like walking around after you put knee wraps on before yeah. you lift. It's more of a high-speed waddle. Uh, so then they would put on white clothes, normally they're robes, uh, and arm themselves with large fucking swords and machetes. That's so awesome. Because if, if, and if somebody invades your land, it could only be possibly uh, purified with sweet, sweet machetes. Machetes ah, of freedom. That's why second part was so awesome. If I'm gonna a if lot I, of machetes. If I'm gonna uh, 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 number, my blades of freedom. Guillotines number one, two, machete, three. Uh, what should number three be? Well, you do have a kukri on the desk. Nah, yeah, that but they like fucking work for the British Empire. <laughs> you can't use them. Sorry, the United Kingdom. <laughs> I would definitely have a bolo. Bolo knife is but bolo knife kind of machete. Yeah. Nah, eh, fuck it. Two machetes. It's, it's all machetes. Yeah. Bayonet machete. I mean, like I said before, all a guillotine is. is It's a machete. A chainsaw from Gears of War. Deal. On my weapon. Okay, yeah. Okay, so you have a machete. I have a musket and a chainsaw. Uh, let's say you need an attachment onto that machete. Grenade launchers have not been invented yet. Your machete has a pick rail system. <laughs> with fuck? a laser pointer on it. <laughs> oh, I hope somebody makes that. And a bayonet. Freedom is always—it's only won through machetes. Only the only true freedom is ever won through machetes or bladed weapons like the Yi. There's a whole movie made about it. (laughs) So, all right, freedom can only be won through machetes or Danny Trejo. Yeah, and I'm still waiting for the other one to come out where he has to go to space. That's the official uh, uh, podcast stance now. Is Danny Trejo is the number one freedom fighter on Earth? Yes. Which is why when I come back, we're watching Blood in Blood Out because he is in it. (laughs) Okay. And it's from my hometown. So uh, the Urim obviously wouldn't like line up and run at people. That's yeah, kind of defeats the purpose. Stupid. Um, they would lie in wait and ambush approaching enemy formations. I and imagine the white robes don't help. No, they weren't exactly camouflage, but they need they even though they're religious suicide warriors. Effectively, they knew they had to still get close, so they weren't going to be dumb about it. If, I mean, if you're going to get a sword fight, if you're going to bring a sword to a gunfight, yeah, you, know, you, you got to bring some brains too. Yeah, I'd have a spider hole. <laughs> um, so they'd lie and wait for the, uh, the enemy to come towards them. And they'd spring out and start fucking chopping people to bits. Oh, God. <laughs> now, uh, pretty much everybody noted that you could not shoot these guys once and bring them down. Like, they would just take multiple bullet holes. And there's also accounts, and there was I think it was in a movie as well, where they got bayoneted. And they held on to the rifle, pulled themselves closer under the bayonet, so they could stab somebody. Oh God! <laughs> These kids are just going slowly into their body. No, no, die. like no, you, you bayonet someone. They smile like now I have you right where I want <laughs> yeah. you. Like oh, fuck. you planned this. <laughs> now uh, there has been, and I'm sure you have heard it. although There's a lot of people listening to this podcast who have heard it. A whole lot of horrific urban legend slash real shit surrounding what uh, American methods were used to attempt to stop these fanatical swordsmen. Some of which continue to get brought up to this day. Really? Because time is a big, dumb, flat circle. Now, they are based in reality, and I'll go through them. This includes the story of General Blackjack Pershing officially ordering the execution of Moro people with bullets dipped in pig's blood. Jesus Christ! Now, for people who are unaware for whatever reason, pigs and uh, uh, pork and and among other things are considered haram for Muslims. You can't eat it and stuff like that. Everybody know, should it's know this by now. Such a vet bro now. meme. Right? Exactly. Uh, it just Blackjack, happened. <laughs> Blackjack Pershing is the uh, originator of black rifle coffee. Like, oh my God! <laughs> Use the bacon grease from the bacon we just made. Yeah. Now, obviously, the really fucking galaxy brain idea here is if you shot someone with a bullet gun in pig's blood, they would not go to heaven. This never happened, Um, nor is there any historical evidence that says that they actually did. Now, I normally would say this is a war full of war crimes. This could have happened. And sure, in the realm of possibility, there may have occurred, but Blackjack Pershing never ordered this to happen. And I say this because at the time America never had any problems keeping all this shit on paper and talking about an autobiography. Oh, yeah. They fucking they were like, yeah, we did this. Isn't it badass? This is a weird racist meme that an idiot, a bunch of idiot racist Islamophobes on Facebook or maybe your family Thanksgiving <laughs> and also our current Ooh, president continues up. bringing up. Thanksgiving. Um, now, when I tell you, and I just already brought him up uh that this myth has been peddled by the president of the united states donald j trump himself um it is true now i have a quote while he was on the campaign trail so back then he was just that guy who went bankrupt a lot running casinos uh quote Pershing caught fifth and all right before i before i start this quote i'm not misspeaking this is just how he talks oh quote Pershing caught fifty terrorists who did tremendous damage, and he took the fifty terrorists and he took fifty men and dipped fifty bullets in pig's blood. You heard about that? He took fifty bullets and dipped them in pig's blood, and then he had his men load up the rifles and he lined up fifty people and he shot forty-nine of those people. And the fiftieth pers- person, he said, "You go back to your people and he tell them what happened." For twenty-five years, there wasn't a problem. End quote. Never happened. Also that that. Th- 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 word salad is a direct quote. At a later date, he claimed it wasn't for 25 years, but 42 years. Neither one of those things happened. War continued until fucking World War I. Um, but it never happened. There's not a single documented historical piece of evidence that this happened. And I'm not absolving American soldiers of sin, which we we're about to talk about of horrible shit. They actually yeah. did. Um, another popular story was that there's an American standing policy of burying the dead swords of an orange surgeon with the bodies of pigs. This changes to the entrails of pigs, depending on who tells the story. You can imagine how horrible this story is, since it has been co-opted into the American forever war uh, that has destroyed the Middle East and Afghanistan. One thing, this definitely happened, and it happened a lot, uh, but it's not some kind of standing policy. I think that needs to be like, it happened, but people say that this was like ROE or, or some kind of standing operation procedure. Like that you'd get a pamphlet when you came to the Philippines, like, this is how you discard the dead! Also, that the main the main myth here is that it worked. I'm not arguing that it happened. It definitely happened. I will read quotes about it happening. But the main myth here is, the reason why it, 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 we should talk about this when it comes to our current war is because it worked! It fucking didn't. It absolutely didn't. The Moros are still fighting. It yeah. is 2019. <laughs> um, now, some units did this and some units did not, uh, but it is important to note that officers made no attempt to control their men, at least none that I found. And Pershing himself found out about the practice he took when he took command and he said he approved it. Uh, but the practice is kind of accepted to have started with Colonel Alexander Rogers of the sixth cavalry regiment. Cause of course it goes back to a cavalry yes, regiment always. Uh, but Like we kind of pointed out before, if something's really, really widespread, officer doesn't stop it, it's kind of implying agreement, making it sort of a non-formal policy, if you will. Mm. Kind of like executing members of the SS for the Western powers in World War II. Um, People just did it a lot. Uh, Though, in a war where actual written orders were given to execute POWs and kill all men above the age of 10, it is kind of shocking it was not a written order. Like, I just assumed it would be at this point. Yeah. But Pershing did write about it in his autobiography. He said, quote, your Mentato attacks were materially reduced in number by the practice the army had already adopted, one that the Mohammedans held in abhorrence. The bodies were publicly buried in the same grave with a dead pig. Okay. Now, Pershing says that that stopped attacks, and it, it didn't. The, yeah, the, largest did it, ba- yeah. the largest battle hadn't even happened in the war yet. Um, but yeah, it, it continues. But also, I think Pershing may have believed that it was working, because maybe it was less attacks that he saw. Yeah. Also, the Moro Rebellion didn't have like a huge body count for American soldiers. like Not that many died. Yeah, there wasn't any GoPro footage of this. Yeah. Now, the the, Filip, Amer- the Philippine-Americans war had a much higher body count, uh, but they were also fighting a much more organized, well-armed, and well-trained resistance. Um, so they, they really can't be compared. Um, what is important to note here is the idiots cite these gross war crimes being what finally broke the back of the Moro Rebellion. It absolutely was not. It infuriated people to see their dead buried in such a way, swelling the ranks of the insurgents and kind of knitting a kind of solidarity between the Euromitados and, and the, the people that wanted to fight the Americans and civilians who kind of want to stay out of it, like the defense sitters of, right. of an insurgency. Like people may have not wanted to throw down and actually fight, but they're like, "I'm going to support them now." Yeah, you know, which is you push them to that point. That's fucking how counterinsurgency works. Or well, doesn't work, for that matter. The Arctic circle, yeah. The idea uh, leading, like that, th- this brought an end to the war it was like it, it is trying is like trying to argue that what like Robert Bales did was a was was a positive. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, if we just unleash ten of those guys, the, ta- <laughs> yeah. the Taliban's will to fight will be broken. That's just not Whoa, how it done. works. Over. Yeah, that's not how it works. And this is the type of shit that uh, people who claim restrictive rules of engagement um, are, or, or if we took the gloves off, so to yeah. say, uh, is why Americans lost in Vietnam, Iraq, or whatever the next place we're going to invade is going to be. Or if we like, send our Uncle Roy and turn the Middle East into a glass pit like he would like. Yeah. This is a lot like... Have you ever read or watched All Quiet on the Western Front? I have. So when the main character goes home, because he, he's been wounded, Uh, and he is like a whole bunch of old guys are talking about the war. Yeah. And he's like, and and the main character is like, no, that that won't work. Like a a ton of people are going to die and and nothing's, nothing's going to happen. And uh, the, the old guys who are not veterans and not in the military are like, no, no, you don't understand. You only see your one little slice of the war. You're not seeing the full picture. He's just like, (sighs) exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Such a good movie though. Uh, so, One thing that did stop the swordsmen was exactly what you would think would stop them. dull blades. Guns. Oh, fuck. Now, American soldiers were armed with a Craig Jorgensen rifle, which was powerful, but had numerous problems in the climate of the islands. Um, Also, it was bolt action. It's not like it was a semi-automatic rifle. So, fighting charging swordsmen is kind of hard when you have to stop and work a bolt. Yeah. Um, But that did not stop. This gun from becoming a lyric in a popular song of the time uh, amongst U.S. soldiers and the populace. Uh, that went, and this is true, quote, under our starry flag, civilize them with a crag. What? <laughs> Fucking white people. That sounds like shit. Because <laughs> our history is just raises the dumb. God. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm laughing at that because, like, I could see someone. Singing that. I, I could totally see somebody singing that. I could see somebody trying to make an updated one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, okay, while well, we're on the subject of super racist American songs. I <laughs> this, and this <laughs> and, <laughs> so it keeps going. <laughs> well, this is a little off topic, but we're going to talk about a 1903 operetta called the Sultan of Sulu, which featured a white man painted up to be described as a, quote, orientalist clown face uh, in the guise of a Moro leader. <laughs> He was, in, he was in Yeah. Uh Yeah. In case you thought that was something that ended in the uh, oh, 1800s. No. This is 1903. Um, the operetta featured a chorus of soldiers that sang verses like, We want to assimilate, if we can, the brother who is brown. We love our dusky fellow man, and we, <laughs> and we hate fuck? to hunt him down. So when we perforate his frame, we want him to be good. We shoot at him to make him tame, but if he understood. What the fuck? Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> Come on. I know that had nothing to do with the war, really, but, like, what the fuck? And this is how, like, press and popular media and, and, and like, a, a narrative makes war okay. Yeah. Because, like, you're singing, like, hey, I want to be friends, but if I have to shoot him, that's cool, too. Yeah. But, like, dude, this is fucking country. <laughs> like, leave him alone. No, man. When I, I wanted to find a clip of the operetta, and I could not. Uh, but I did find pictures of a guy in brown face, uh, which shouldn't surprise anybody, because uh, he's the Prime Minister of Canada. Ayo, Really? Yeah, we don't get we don't get the dog in Canada often, but that's a uh, Justin Trudeau burn. Mm. Rare. Uh, but not as rare as him in blackface. Oh, uh- nice. <laughs> hey. Hey. Another problem was that soldiers were routinely ambushed before they could have a chance to bring their rifles to bear, or have to cycle a bolt action yep, over and they over again. didn't and have him. a chance to sing their song. Yeah, Quick, everybody! Civilization with a crag. I, I can't, Brent. I have a sword <laughs> yeah. in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Brent. <laughs> a Fabian Xavier. Uh, fucking Braxton. God. I, I think we just killed a lacrosse team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a lot of times people resort to using pistols. Uh, they could draw them faster and shoot f- shoot faster. Like, I mean, they at first they had a thirty-eight revolver. Which fucking sucks, uh, and the thirty-eight revolver was such a piece of shit that Morrow uh, swordsman would just run right through the bullets. And there was actually some people that went back to a black powder forty-five caliber revolver really? because it would blow fucking cantaloupe-sized holes in people. <laughs> uh, and so, like the people would try to use the thirty-eight because it fires faster than the Craig Jorgensen. Also, soldiers are soldiers; they don't want to carry their goddamn rifle everywhere in the jungle. Yeah, fuck that, dude. <laughs> so, like, yeah, let's carry a revolver, fuck it. Uh, so. Uh, Yeah, it just wasn't working. It was really, really underpowered, which brings us to the development of a historic weapon of war and fetish for the tactical boomers everywhere to the current day. Really? 1911. Oh, God damn it. Yep. Uh, A gun you cannot scroll through Facebook without seeing your stupid friend buying for a thousand dollars. Now, this new handgun would drop people with pretty much a single shot, assuming the person had a good aim. Uh, which you know that meant that the these suicide charges stopped working uh, effectively. Um, they still totally happened, but the Americans who were getting slashed up pretty severely would not lose per, per se. We're not talking about squads getting overran on the regular here, right? It didn't really happen. It was um, a rarity. Um, they're just getting fucked up. The, I don't think the, the I don't think it was the Uruminato's goal. Um, may, maybe. It was in some cases, but they were just trying to do as much damage as they can. Yeah. Um. Honestly, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that's scary. I would hate to see that shit. Imagine, like, I would much rather square up with a guy with a rifle at, you know. Oh, yeah. Even with an eye shot. Because uh, I would hate to get fucking slashed by a machete. Yeah, that shit would fucking suck. And you know yeah. it's coming for your hands first. Yeah. Because it has a gun in it. Yep. That's not happening. And, I mean, I think... You could feasibly call the Yermitados a terror weapon. And I don't mean that in like an Islamophobic way. I mean that in like when you look at other weapons that didn't do as much damage as you think they did, but just they sweep terror throughout the ranks like a sniper yeah. or a kamikaze. I don't even think they meant to that to be a terror weapon. That's just what they had. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it just fucking blows if you're on the other side of it. Yeah. And they did what they had to do. Yeah. Like we have farm equipment. Fuck you. What do, what do we have laying around? Uh, I got these bands for my dick, and I got this machete. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do this. So take our cock piece out and slam them and with s- it. Slam on our holy religious cock ring and start yeah. slashing motherfuckers. Um, now, this kind of worked. And the, the tide of the war, I mean, the tide of the war was never on the Moro side. Um, like, Emilio Aglennado had um, feasibly had a chance to make the Americans not want to fight him anymore. The Moro never really had that. They, they were never winning, um, but they kept fighting. They rarely attempted to engage a large group of American soldiers, knowing that it wasn't really their strong suit, and instead stuck to ambushing them. This led to the Americans chasing ghosts and attempting to corner Moros and force them to fight. Mm. If this rings any bells, yeah, you're, 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 I can see you're not wrong. If the posts were there back then, come out, fight, you fucking cowards. If they just stand up and fought me like a man... Well, why the fuck would they do yeah, that? Yeah, why would I? Why don't you grab a machete and try to fight like one of them? Let's see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> this finally... So the, the the Americans finally found a way to corner these guys at the Battle of Bud Dujao. Now, I have to call it the Battle of Bud Dujau because that is generally what it is known as, but it's not widely accepted to be a battle. Uh, Bud Dujao was a secluded area settled into the crater of an extinct volcano, which is pretty fucking metal, right? Yeah. Like... If you were gonna set up a secret base, you set it up in a volcano. Oh yeah, dude, good choice. Uh, it was chosen as a place to flee by the locals because it was incredibly hard to get to. Uh, there's only a few main roads uh, into the area, but the but it was just like it was kind of like a spider web of countless small trails that led up to it. But only were like the locals knew about those trails. Right. So like, there's really easy escape routes. American patrols had been making people's lives a living hell. They've been poisoning wells, like we talked about, killing livestock, destroying crops. Just the simple act of surviving kind of became a chore. Um, Bud Dijow had enough fresh water to change all that, and they even could grow crops. So like, they could kind of just start their weird refugee commune away from American soldiers, for a while anyway. Eventually, several hundred people, some of whom were fighters, uh, moved into the area. The Americans had heard about it and sent someone to demand They return to their homes to which they obviously refused. The crater was a traditional place for the local community to gather when they were threatened to the American authorities. This is considered a challenge because remember their, their way of winning this war so far had been trying to separate fighters from the civilians and putting those civilians in concentration camps. Um, This was a direct challenge to that for a very obvious reason. That was when general Leonard Wood, Yes, that Leonard Wood, the same one who has a military base named after him, Mm. ordered Colonel J.W. Duncan to attack Bud Dijow. Duncan brought with him a battery of artillery, a gunboat, machine guns, and around 750 men. The Moros of Bud Dijow knew that this was coming and set up blockades in the road to try to slow them down. But they were forced to launch attacks on the advancing soldiers uh, with not really much. Uh, They fought with machetes, swords, spears... And seashells full of gunpowder that they would lift, the that they would light and throw like hand grenades, which is fucking awesome. Just seashells shrapnel. All- yeah. <laughs> oh god. Fucking Ariel blew me up. <laughs> I, I imagine looking. This is some like fucking. Uh, god, uh, I can't even think of the show anymore. Um, MacGyver. It's MacGyver. Oh, MacGyver. Shit. Like a more- I like MacGruber. A um, uh, a moro fighter is like looking around, like I have all this gunpowder, no gun, and rock, no pinecone, no seashell. You know mm. they had to experiment. Dude. Yeah, someone definitely blew their hand off trying to make <laughs> yeah. the sword. Um, we need to get the right timing. Oh uh, fuck! Oh, fuck! Uh, somebody attach a sword to his other hand. He'll be okay. Oh machete hand, machete hands. Yes, I sacrifice my hands for the glory of the people. Fuck yeah, dude eventually uh and unfortunately for the fighters uh they would eventually become surrounded um and they had nowhere to go because they were, they were fighting with the backs against the wall there were civilians there they didn't want to abandon yeah, the them. volcano wasn't going to help yeah i mean th- if the volcano gods could kick this motherfucker around right quick and uh just Pompeii this entire area that'd be <laughs> oh, great nobody wins <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i might not win but i'll take all of you done <laughs> with me yeah. Uh, So eventually they had to uh, withdraw into the center of the crater. Uh, Soldiers advanced machine guns and cannons onto the ridge of that crater and began firing uh, indiscriminately into the crater, which is home to hundreds of civilians. Of the 1,000 Moro who moved into the crater, only six survived the assault. What? In the days after the attack. President Teddy Roosevelt wrote to Wood saying, quote, I congratulate you and the oh, officers and the men of your command upon their brilliant feet of arms wherein and you shall uphold the honor of the American flag. Now, this is where normal people are like, whoa, Joe, you're being awfully reactionary. It's 1906. It's not like this. He knew that there's hundreds of dead civilians. This, this information takes a long time to come stateside. And that's where I tell you you're fucking wrong because there's newspapers involved. He not only had the information provided him from the military, he knew the civilian cost of the battle because everybody else did, too. Now, now, this is now widely accepted to be a mass slaughter. And it was known almost immediately on March 11th, 1906 uh, edition of The New York Times, which was seven days after the massacre and about the same time Roosevelt made his statement Ran a headline that said quote Women and children killed in the Moro battle Mingled with warriors felled by shot Four days of fighting 900 persons killed President White's congratulations to the troops oh, Jesus oh, fucking God. Christ Now For he's a jolly good fellow <laughs> Rough rider. Teddy <laughs> yes. Roosevelt has Teddy nev- Roosevelt has never seen a dead brown person He did not be like Perfect <laughs> <laughs> Fucking asshole now, Did you ever hear about Teddy Roosevelt So he wasn't president anymore when World War I started And he like demanded to raise A, a regiment of volunteers to lead to the Western Front and the president's like Bro you're like 70 No go fuck yourself uh, he, he never saw An opportunity to kill someone that he wanted to pass by His uh, best I think the best thing I've ever seen him in was Night at the Museum <laughs> When Robin Williams was actually him It's much better to think of Teddy Roosevelt as a coked up Robin Williams and like actually Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and this is like one of those times they're like, well, white people just be fucked up. And that's true. But there was a what? lot, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people in America uh, who immediately said there's something fucking wrong here. Including our buddy Mark Twain again. Cause he continues Dude, to be. Mark Twain is the shit. I love Mark He Twain. called us soldiers quote Christian butchers and uniformed assassins. Dude, Mark Twain, welcome to yeah, Antifa. Dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Come on the cop podcast whenever you'd like. <laughs> uh, when the Secretary of War Taft demanded an explanation from General fuck Wood, that, dude. Wood said that women and children had dressed as warriors, picked up weapons, and attacked oh, his go men. Go fuck yourself. Now, some of this is true. Really? There's first-hand accounts oh, of yeah, women I can see fighting. That, yeah, because why the fuck wouldn't they? They probably knew they were all well, gonna you're die. backed into a corner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. Their kids are there, man. They're they're gonna that makes fight. Sense. J.W. Duncan, the man who's actually in command that day, remember, Leonard Wood gave the orders and then sat back on, uh, you know, wherever he was order his orders came from, hundreds of miles away. J.W. Duncan was actually there. Um, directly contradicted General Wood. He said, the high level of civilian casualties are because he used machine guns and artillery directed dr- directly at them. <laughs> like, well, that'll this do it! Is, this is another episode with a pit where people die. Yeah, like, uh, Colonel Duncan, why do you believe that, uh, oh, the civilian said, oh, because we pointed machine guns at him. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but what if, like, no, 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 it was the artillery too. Like, they just killed so many people. You didn't see a problem with it, mind you, but yeah. Several American soldiers were awarded the Medal of Honor for the mass slaughter of Moro what the civilians. Fuck did they do. Making it shockingly similar to the Wounded Knee Massacre. If you're not aware, like, 20 Medals of Honor were given out for that. Jesus Christ. Now, admittedly, I didn't know there was 20 given. There's out a lot. For it. I don't know if it's 20. Someone's, someone's going to prove me wrong on that. Uh, but it's a lot. Um, but uh, it does have to bear in mind the Medal of uh-huh. Honor is not the same award that it is today. Oh, no, it's not. But it's still an award for slaughtering <laughs> civilians. And even now we recognize it as a high level, obviously. Yeah. So back then, and the way we look at it, so, dude, fuck that. And this is widely recognized by historians today to be a massacre to the point that, admitted, a giant piece of shit uh smith. filipino leader rodrigo duterte continues to drag it uh, to use it to drag americans which like this is like the moment where like that were the, the worst per- or the person who hate the most is right about something you're like fuck yeah. <laughs> duterte is a piece of shit but yeah smith you reloaded that machine gun so fast medal of honor way to kill those civilians rupert medal of honor yep like most things, nobody's ever punished for this, though. General Wood was fired uh, from his position. What do you do? Uh, so he was he. I'm trying to figure out a good way to, to, to explain this. He was fired, which is never a good look, though. He was relieved of command. He made up for this by taking full responsibility for the actions at Bud Dijow. This is considered a very officerly and gentlemanly thing to do and only a man with honor would do such a thing, and he was applauded for it. He was not demoted. uh uh-uh. Okay. Yep. Yep. He kind of read it, read it, uh, wrote a desk during World War I, Um and then he became, wait for it, wait for it, the Governor General of the Philippines in 1921. What a good guy. Yeah, he uh, committed a mass, sla- he guy. ordered a mass slaughter, and then became in charge of the whole operation. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. I hope, uh, 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 fucking... It's like making Hitler the Prime Minister of Israel. <laughs> oh, man. Like, what the fuck? Now, I'm not saying the two are equal, but same ballpark. It's, it's, I mean, you pulled the ball there. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Now, if you thought Blackjack Pershing, the guy who replaced Wood, maybe learned a lesson at Bud Dijow, you'd be new to our show, and also, you're very, very, very wrong. Pershing conducting the same kind of attack in a different crater, this one named Bud Budzak. Um, and this, many craters are on this island? Oh, there's a lot of volcanoes. Jesus there are islands. Christ. Uh, I mean, islands are formed by volcanoes. There's a lot of volcanoes. Uh, don't volcano shame people, Nick. I just a, want to know how many craters there. Are. <laughs> we we stand the volcanoes here. Um, I would just stay away from craters at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, they're still it's still solid. Like the Americans probably won't come into your volcano
1: volcano <laughs> just
0: crater. Me. Yeah, they'll list at the at the ridge and kill everybody you love. Um, now, this time instead of using all American soldiers. He used American trained Filipino soldiers. Oh, yeah. He set them on their own countrymen. Though it should be noted that there's a very good chance they didn't see them like that. They didn't see them as Filipinos. right? So, you know, okay. divine conquer type shit. This time, the Moro forced her civilian population of around 10,000 to flee, knowing what would happen to them. Though, some refused to leave, like uh, people's wives, kids. They're like, fuck you, no, I'm staying. That type of stuff. In the end, about 500 fighters held the crater and fought the incoming soldiers until they were all dead. One of Pershing aides wrote, quote, One of our old-time sergeant shouted to his men, Be alert! They're going to charge! They've gotten themselves all dressed up to die! Which means, like, the white clothes. They rushed up the slope in staggered waves, but our men stood firm and fired long, rolling volleys that dropped the gaily decked figures like broken dolls. They charged Their charge ended as quickly as it began. Not one man reached reach our trenches. Such is the do-or-die bravery of the Moro. <sighs> Though, like before, the Americans ordered them to disarm and they refused. Uh, no quarter would be given um, to anyone. That meant women and children. To which Pershing's aides said, about 5% of the dead were women or children. So you could assume it was probably a little higher. Yeah. It's kind of a weird kind of math to do. Um, and this was in June 1913. Just a little bit more than a year before the outbreak of World War One. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Which Pershing would go on uh, to kind of become a hero in. For doing all... Mostly nothing, uh, but yeah. That's how you do it. Yep. It was finally around this time that the U.S. military decided the Moro lands should be placed under a civilian government, um, thinking it no longer needed a general to run it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Finally, the Moro would be able to rule themselves in a larger colony, at least bringing the war to an end. Nope. Nope. The first civilian governor was a white guy named Frank. Yeah, white guys <laughs> have to run it. It's just some guy named Frank that Pershing picked. You think brown people can run themselves? <laughs> Don't be silly. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Harumph! All of smug our, bastards. I just spontaneously developed a walrus mustache as we oh, said that. Yeah. And a monocle just flew <laughs> nowhere onto your eye. I just look like the Monopoly guy but like somehow more evil. Uh, the Monopoly guy would totally be oh, down with dude, colonialism. He's a racist fuck. You know it. The The Monopoly guy says the N-word all the time. You ever uh, go down his fucking streets? <laughs> you, you crossed go. Oh, what? What's your name? Uh, Nick Casanova? Ah, go to jail. Go directly to jail. (laughs) Slightly Hispanic, huh? Hmm, broken windows. (laughs) Uh, The Philippines would function as a colony of the U.S. until they were given independence after World War II, though the U.S. retained a lot of power within governmental institutions, so much so you could rightly consider it a puppet regime for decades. I wish I could write that this is where the war was over, but a low, simmering Moro insurgency continues to this very day. Uh, and varying degrees of violence uh, with fractious groups of militias, some of whom have sworn allegiance to ISIS. Others are more political rather than religious. Studying that too long is like staring into a madness room. I'm not going to get too far into that. But a lot of this is due to colonial practices put in place by the United States and various uh, brutal Filipino dictators like Ferdinand Marcos, who we supported. All done with the moral and material support of the United States. During the reign of Marcos, thousands were killed and tens of thousands were jailed. Many more were simply disappeared, never to be heard from again. When Marcos was forced from power, he was led to come to the U.S. for exile, where he died in peace. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Happy endings. Today, Rodrigo Duterte, a man who once ran death squads and said he wished he could have raped a woman before she was killed by one of them, oh. is in charge. He has favorably compared himself to Hitler as attempting to oh. murder his way out of a drug problem. The number of dead is somewhere around 30,000 and rising rapidly. We support him, too. Uh, We have a ton of military bases there. Yep. This brutality has been visited on political enemies and dissidents. Our researcher, Robert Chang, recently had a friend who was nearly killed by an off-duty cop in a suspected assassination for daring to speak up for environmental rights. His friend, Brandon Lee, survived. But it cost him and his family pretty much everything. Um, I think he said north of $200,000 has been spent on medical treatment and. Effectively exiled because he had to run for his life. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to support Brandon's uh, recovery and his resettlement here in the United States, you can find the GoFundMe in our show notes or search "Save Brandon Lee" on GoFundMe and uh, give to a good cause that isn't getting us drunk and killing our livers. Um, Solid choice. Yeah. And uh, and Robert, our, our our researcher, pointed out that a lot of um, things left behind uh, by the Americans still. Uh, exists like his parents were taught or, or had to go to school only in English, um, the yeah stuff like that. Um, all the colonial institutions that normally pop up were built um, that kind of propped up that kind of colonial institution, and it still is largely existing. Um, we're dealing. I mean, that kind of stuff doesn't go away in, in a generation or two. It it's it takes forever, and it yeah. is actually, it is hilarious watching him try to tell tell people about this like on twitter (laughs) he had a guy say uh uh, some guy said like we rapidly gave them independence like he's like it took 60 years (laughs) rapidly." (laughs) like what about all the concentration camps he's like those are resettlement camps (laughs) (laughs) oh fucking christ um yeah yeah um so if if you want to support the show support the show we'll be giving a lot of money to uh to brandon lee and his family as much as we can it's not really a lot in the grand scheme of things, but as much as we can, uh, uh for, as a thank you to to Robert and and so Brandon maybe be able to recover and have something can, that resembles a normal life after you're having a government try to kill him. Yeah. Um. If you would like to support the show, share us around, review us, and before we go, and because this got incredibly depressing, uh, because history always is. Uh, question from the legion. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We forgot to do that the last two weeks because we were too drunk oh yeah Uh, I think Um, so this question is uh, do you know the people that you do interviews with Um, or like have you met them in person have we ever brought them in and and interviewed them no Um, I've pretty much met everybody through Twitter though uh, at one point Tom got the double header because I knew him on Twitter and then he did our German armor episode and then he moved here and came and recorded in person for the Air N R X series. So yes, I invited a stranger from the internet into my home. I awesome. ha- I have not been kidnapped yet. <laughs> I don't think they'd want to kidnap you. What do you have to give them? Nothing. Um uh, they'd probably just kidnap my dog. At least she's worth something. Yeah. And people actually like her. <laughs> she's adorable. So if you would like to ask a question, you can DM the Twitter account at lines underscore by. Or ask us on the Patreon page, uh, where $1 gets you access to asking questions, gets you access to the Discord, gets you access to one bonus episode a month, and more gets you more than that. Um, Sweet deal. Yep. Yep. So, before we go, I'd just like to say thank you again to Robert Chang for everything he did for this series. This is outstanding, great research. Can't wait to work with him again. It's awesome. everybody else that just tuned in, thank you for taking this incredibly depressing journey uh, through... Yeah, none of it ended well through Spanish colony to drug Hitler. Uh, God. The people of the Philippines, if you're listening to us, please don't. I'm pretty sure this is probably illegal now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Good luck, guys. Later.